0: That's right. It's the Monday crew on 88.7 WRSU FM. Chris Oconis and Dennis Geisler coming at you. The final Monday crew under the fall schedule that uh, we put together starting in the first week of September. Uh, This time next week, we'll have a new schedule with uh, some new hosts. Um, So, you know, mixing things up a little bit, Uh, but, you know, mix it up. Yes, mix it up. You're right. Um, Did not have that hotkey ready, uh, regrettably. (laughs) I'll I'll be the hotkey board. All right. Dennis is our (laughs) – he's going to be our personal hotkey board. Um, Yeah, that'll that'll be fun. But all kidding aside, you know, a rough stretch for Rutgers men's basketball for sure. Um, Now it's a three-game losing streak. Last year, losses not being particularly close against Ohio State on Saturday and then earlier in the week against uh, Michigan State. But – uh, they'll have a few days off to rest up, get healthy, sort of get their minds right, and then they've got a big game against Wisconsin uh, Friday night at 9 p.m., of course. Um, the only place you'll want to catch that is right here at 88.7 FM. But um, you know, plenty of other stuff to get to as well. NFL wildcard round, college football playoff, national title game is on tonight at 8. Uh, a, a lot of fun stuff to get to. Uh, so it, it's going to be an, an interesting show tonight. Uh, we'll try to mix in some other lighter topics in uh but Dennis I I gotta talk to you man um how's your day going how was your weekend
1: uh it was honestly pretty good uh I had a uh pretty relaxing weekend I watched a bunch of uh, wild card football very excited to talk about that later uh today's been all right I'm kind of uh enjoying my last week before uh back into the spring semester school so
0: Yeah, I I think I'm doing all right. How about you, Chris? Hey, I'm chilling. Uh, I'm chilling, you know. I got to watch a fun weekend of wildcard football as well, you know. Um, I don't know. None of my teams really did anything noteworthy. The Nets lost to the Thunder last night. Devils are, you know, ramping up for their season opener on Thursday. Um, You know, Mets got Lindor, so that was fun. Uh, but you know, yeah, that was pretty big. Uh, that was pretty big, but I mean, I can't get excited about offseason baseball that that much. So, you know, um, I, I think the Mets are going to be fun to watch next year. So that'll be fun come April when they're back at City Field, hopefully with fans. So we'll just have to cross our fingers and see. But uh, I want to start the show as we usually do, uh, open it up by uh, talking about Rutgers men's basketball. Now they play in the toughest i think by any metric toughest top to bottom league in college basketball the big 10 yeah. in 2021 is historically good basically what happened over the last 3 4 years and now it's really culminating in, in in this season weird as you know sports in 2021 is um is that all the blue bloods that are usually good wisconsin michigan state michigan they're all good but all of the teams that historically have been not as good, Rutgers, you know, Penn State, Northwestern, you name it, they, they're also very competitive, too. So now we're in a, in a league where it seems every anyone can beat anyone, you know, the cliche in the NFL is any given Sunday. But that seems to be more true in Big Ten basketball than it is in the NFL these days. Um, and other than Nebraska, pretty much every team in this league is going to give you a fight. Uh, and, and Rutgers, you know, they're a bit banged up. I don't think Ron Harper Jr. is 100%. For what it's worth, I'm, I'm not sure if Geo Baker is 100%. Uh, Cliff Omaruyi still out. That hurts us with our front court depth. Um, so it, it's it's been a rough couple of games, but I feel pretty good about where this team is long-term. I think that a lot of fans are overreacting to a couple of bad games. Uh, Dennis, I guess, I don't know, is there anything I said there that maybe you don't agree with?
1: No, I think you're right, and it does actually uh, I guess it ease my mind a little bit because it has been really two bad games. There was the Ohio State one earlier in the season, which wasn't great. Uh, the Iowa game was a near loss, but Iowa's a great team. But it has been two bad games. It, it still hurts because in a conference like the Big Ten, you don't want to give up winnable games like that. You don't want to give up... Uh, like a, a home loss to Ohio state. You don't want to be playing that poorly on the road with a chance to beat Michigan state for the first time since Rutgers joined the conference. I think, uh, at least for the first time at Michigan state, since Rutgers joined the conference, it would have been the uh, first
0: time they've never beaten Michigan state.
1: Yeah. And, and so it, it's kind of rough to give up those kinds of opportunities. Um, when we're having such a, great season or when we were having such high hopes going into the season so i makes me a little nervous uh especially when Wisconsin's coming up next Iowa's still down the line Minnesota Northwestern like there are a bunch of great teams still down the stretch for Rutgers to play against and uh even within a conference like this there's only so much that you can lose within your conference games and still be given that benefit of the doubt for being in such a good conference. I mean, uh, in the most recent uh, AP polls, uh, Rutgers dropped all the way out of the top 25 from the uh, Michigan State and Ohio State
0: losses, which still receive votes, though. So they're like, if you continued votes. the rankings beyond the 25, you'd they'd be like in the low 30s, which is you know, still pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not awful, but no. at the same time, yeah, I, I think a lot of that goodwill
1: that was being built up over time is kind of evaporated in some of those last couple of games and you kind of have to work back up to that so yeah. i'm still not incredibly afraid about this rutgers team but at the same time gotta see this team come together in the back stretch of the season uh obviously there are a bunch more conference games left to play the wisconsin game will be huge if we can pull off a big upset against wisconsin that turns everything around you can kind of say okay couple of rough games. Some players were a little banged up. You look at it now and say, okay, Wisconsin was a win. Keep moving forward. Probably push back up into the top 25. I, I think this team is on a fine track. Um, even if it's a well, loss against Wisconsin, I at least want to see the team be competitive because that's kind of what was the most difficult about the Michigan State and to a lesser extent, the Ohio State uh, losses were that it just felt like Rutgers wasn't in the game. Does
0: that <laughs> yeah, feel no, unfair I think that, to say? I think that's fair to say. Um, they, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think more more than anything else, I think they're just banged up. Like, I get the sense that, you know, core players like Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker, uh, I get the sense that they're still not 100% back. Um, like, they're both sort of trying to ramp their way back. It, like, if you go back and watch some of the tape from that Ohio State game, mm-hmm. like – Watch Ron Harper Jr. move both with the ball and without the ball, and you can tell there's something a little bit off, like a little bit missing. Uh, and I would suspect that that's probably him still trying to work his way back up to game strength. Um, so I, I, I think that that more than anything else, like I, I see a lot of hot takes on, you know, Rutgers Twitter, Rutgers message boards that, you know, frankly kind of get on my nerves. Like, people, you know, the same people that were, you know, on the hype train talking about how, how how great this Rutgers team is. You know, there are a couple bad losses, and all of a sudden it's Rutgers isn't an NCAA tournament team. Rutgers is overrated. Ron Harper Jr. is overrated. And I'm like, just, it, it drives me nuts when people say things like that. Like, first off, because I don't think it's true, I think that the team we saw in December is much more reflective of, of what this Rutgers team really is at full strength than Rutgers in January so far. Um, I I think that we're going to look back on those takes in three, four weeks um, as, you know, the overreactions that they are. Rutgers men's basketball is going to make the NCAA tournament in 2021. I would wager... However, whatever sum of money you name, I I would wager that Rutgers is in the field of 64 or 68 or however many teams end up doing this year. I would wager that Rutgers is in that field come tournament time. They're too good not to be.
1: I agree. They're too good. That's a nice and I, I think that's a nice way to look at it, I guess, where, okay, we are in the tournament. If we're in the tournament, we can make something happen in the tournament. We know that we'll be in the Big Ten tournament regardless, because every team's in the Big Ten tournament. And so, looking towards the end of the season, all we have to do is make sure that we're playing our best. Uh, just make sure that Rutgers is not. Uh... <sighs> what what am I what, what words am I trying to look for here? I don't know. I I, I just want to make sure that Rutgers is. Pushing forward past these losses because you want to see really them be resilient. Is that resilient is a really good word? Yeah. Okay. Because we're really not that far off of a very close loss to Iowa. Uh, right. The Michigan State and Ohio State games were bad back to back, and I think in the day to day media changes like that will definitely change the conversation around Rutgers. But big game against Wisconsin. Uh, a couple more big games down the line and Rutgers is back in the national conversation. I think that's
0: but both of those things can be true. I also think that, you know, a lot of this narrative would have been a bit different if Rutgers had made a couple more free throws and it be in Iowa last weekend. Yeah, because then you'd be coming off of, you know, two really, really impressive wins in Illinois and and Iowa. I mean, those are two of the top four teams in the Big Ten right now. Um, Not to mention
1: that Rutgers would then be four and three and vary in the conversation for the top of the Big Ten, where now Rutgers is three and four and behind
0: a big portion of the Big Ten. Well, it's also like it's very deceptive for two reasons. One, and this is something that I think is interesting to point out, we're 11 games into the season. Normally when mm-hmm. you're 11 games into the season, you're just starting out conference play. Like when Rutgers was 11 games into the, to the season last year, like no one thought that they would have the run that they had. Like the talk in December, early January, right? When Rutgers was getting into the thick of conference play was this team could is, is, is expected to make the NIT. Maybe if things break their way, they'll make it to the tournament. And you mm-hmm. know, they went on that run in January, uh, cooled off a little bit in February, but they had two really strong wins against Maryland and Purdue to end the season. And were it not for COVID-19, guess what? They would have been in the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's anyone out there who knows college basketball that would, would disagree with that statement. So yeah, I like, think you're correct. You don't have all those games early in the season. And, and Rutgers, at least – in, I, I've, I'm in my third year here at Rutgers. At least in the time that I've watched them, they tend to be a team that finishes stronger than they start in in the season. I mean, think about it. Last uh, last year, we lost to Saint Bonaventure. We lost to Pittsburgh. Um, there there were some ugly games. We could have just as easily lost to Drexel. There were games where mm-hmm. the team didn't look all that great, but over time they grew. They they got into some good chemistry. They developed and. You know, they went on a run. And that's what this team's going to do right now. They're going to go on a run. But the other thing that I want to bring up here, um, and I think it's important to put the standings into context because the Big Ten is just a minefield right now. Like, Rutgers is 3-4 and in conference play, right? And that currently, going into tonight, and there are no Big Ten games tonight, um, that currently puts Rutgers at 10th in the conference. Now you're thinking, oh, 10th in the conference, that's awful. Well, not really, because three wins, you know, like in terms of conference wins, everyone from the fifth seed to the 10th seed, which is Rutgers, has three wins. Rutgers and Minnesota have a fourth loss, and that's why they're at 9 and 10. But everyone else is like really neck and neck. Um, so I think that Rutgers, you know, As time goes on, they're more than capable of beating the Northwesterns of the world, uh, the Indianas of the world, the Minnesotas of the world. And, you know, there's no reason why this team went fully healthy and, you know, in sync. They already beat Illinois. There's no reason why they can't beat Wisconsin. There's no reason why they can't beat Iowa. There's no reason why they can't beat Michigan. Like, there's a reason why this team was at one point ranked number 11 in the country. Like, that wasn't... A flash in the pan. This team's legit. Mm -hmm. And I I guess I'm kind of, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, and for that I apologize, but, um, you know, I kind of just, I get tired of negativity. And, I mean, part of it's, you know, kind of ingrained in me because I'm a Jet fan, I'm a Met (laughs) fan, I'm a Net fan. Like, I I get, I kind of get it. But at the same time, I see so many hot takes of, oh, this is an NIT team or this team is overrated and all that. And I'm like, really? You're going to throw away all the progress and all of the highs that this team has gone through because of a three-game losing streak? Here's the reality of life in the Big Ten in 2021. The best teams in the league are going to have a hard time winning more than 12 or 13 games. I'm not saying there isn't a team that won't win, like, 14 or 15. Like, Michigan right now is 5-0 in conference play, 10-0 overall. I mean, if they end up, you know, if they go 500 the rest of the way. Yeah, know, just statistically, it's going to be, be very likely for them to get up yeah, there. Yeah, I think they could. I think Iowa could. But for the most part, you know, it's very plausible that the team that wins the Big Ten tournament in March is going to be a 12-8, and 11-9 team just because of how deep this conference is and how tough this conference is. And Rutgers is going to be right in the mix of that. Mm -hmm. All you really need to do is win 10 conference games for any Big Ten team. You win 10 conference games, you're going to be, you're going to see your name called on Selection Sunday. Now, where, where you get seated, who you play, that's where those extra games tend to matter. And if it's two weeks from now and Rutgers is still in this kind of position where they're kind of in a bit of a slump, Okay, then maybe I'll get a little bit concerned. But this team is gonna be fine. Like, they're gonna be fine. That that's yep. that's my little tangent on that. Uh I don't I don't really get angry about anything other than Adam Gase, so maybe that was a bit <laughs> subdued, but it's gonna be fine. Rutgers is going to go to the NCAA tournament. You can take that to the bank. I guarantee it.
1: Yeah, and that's that. That that's just nice in general. Yeah, just going to the NCAA tournament. It's nice. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Every everybody. This team's in, gonna uh, run the state Indiana.
0: of Indiana in March. Yeah. They're gonna run it. We're we're gonna get to see Rutgers play at Mackey. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> hey, listen, Jacob Young loves playing at Mackey. he will have to find the next Matt Harms to terrorize. Oh boy, won't that be fun? I'm I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Be nice if we got to broadcast that though, like in person.
1: That would be really cool. Yeah, like I, in I, general, I, I feel I, like I'm not the atmosphere, look, I'm not greedy. I'm
0: just glad that we're like, you know, doing what we're doing right now. Worst case if I have to do it off a monitor, that's fine. But like man,
1: it I would, would just be like in general, it. the atmosphere I around love it. Indiana and Indianapolis with everything happening there would have to be really, really cool. Yes. Uh, so at the very least I think that would just be really neat to have one of us be in attendance for but
0: yeah fingers crossed we got a couple months locks of the week here on the Monday crew, it's Sacco and Dennis. Bottom of the six o'clock hour, we'll be here with you till eight p.m. before we throw it over to Scott Einhorn. Um, it's time for our Locks of the Week segment. We're gonna go through uh, uh, through the sports books and see what we like tonight. Um, gonna start off with you, Dennis. Me? Yes. <laughs> what should our right. uh, our uh, habitual degenerates be uh, spending their hard-earned cash on tonight?
1: All right, so uh it's not tonight tonight. Uh but I have been uh it's it's that time of year. So a lot of the times in the fall semester, I bet on or I uh, I lock uh the football games because that's what I am most engaged with in the fall. But in the spring semester, uh I always do League of Legends and so I have League of Legends And I think I'm going to say... Okay, so, I've got to explain this one real quick. Uh, LCS Lock-In is the tournament that's being held for North American uh, League of Legends, the LCS, uh, as their preseason tournament this year. It's their first time doing it. Uh, I'm going to take plus 250 odds on Team Liquid winning the whole thing. I think they are the best team in North America. They made fairly few changes and not very important changes, Uh, I think all their changes were huge upgrades over the offseason. This is the first time we're seeing any of these teams. But if I had to pick a favorite, I would easily pick Team Liquid. I think every other team is going to have some stumbling pains. Uh, So I think plus 250, which is the second highest odds of anything, is actually pretty generous. uh, Or is not generous enough or it's it's good money (laughs) it's it's more likely team liquid hits than i think the 250 uh number gives it so i'm gonna say team liquid on that one uh chris i know that's not going to help you very much uh but i i like that value um this is the first time they're holding this tournament i'm not exactly sure how it's gonna go every team's made some pretty significant adjustments but They've been one of the best teams in uh, LCS for years now. Uh, and I think that they're going to keep that up. And I think they're the ones who are going to come out of the gate swinging. So that's my lock. Plus 250, liquid to win uh, LCS lock-in.
0: What do you think about that, Chris? Man, I, I when I saw that come out <laughs> in the book, I was like, I'm <laughs> all over that. <laughs> no disrespect i just i never would have thought like to bet on that like at all like if i get to yeah i i I know it's something you like i'm not like trying to diss that at all yeah no no
1: I i totally get what you're saying and i actually had to find uh like betting odds for league of legends i found them on this european site uh so that's what i have to like go off of for a lot of them and uh, so yeah, that that's what I'm going to end up doing. So uh, for the for the upcoming spring semester, uh, get excited because I'll be doing <laughs> a lot more of that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not something and I think they're trying to make it easier to bet on uh, esports. I know some places in Vegas are starting to include it in their books. Uh, definitely over quarantine, it became a lot more popular because all of the gambling degenerates were betting on like. Uh, It it was like Kazakh sports racing or uh, uh, horse racing or something. Uh, It was like that and uh, eSports. So eSports ended up like uh, shooting up in uh, all the gambling that was happening for it. But it's still uh, not super common. And now that a lot of the conventional sports are back, it's kind of died down a little bit. But even still, I think it's... uh, I think it's interesting. I uh, like seeing what the odds are. I like seeing what the odds makers think of things because I am a better analyst than them and I know what lines to jump all over.
0: All right, listen, uh, I'll I'll take your word (laughs) on it. Um, I'm going to go to a little bit more of a traditional uh, spot here uh, for my lock of the night. And it is the national title game tonight. Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide down in Miami. Um, I, I really like Ohio State uh, to cover in this one. The point spread. I mean, I understand Alabama is going to be favored. I get that. That's fine. But I think eight and a half points is a bit much for a national title game. Don't you think so? I
1: was actually thinking the same thing. I was. I was really liking that line as well. I thought, kind of to myself before I looked at the line. I thought anything over a touchdown. Um, I would take Ohio State for against the spread. So I
0: totally agree with what you're saying here. Yeah, I mean, eight. I, I think Ohio State plus eight and a half is pretty close to a lock in my view because I think that this Ohio State offense is definitely good enough to keep up with the likes of Mac Jones, uh, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. Um, I, I think that they're going to come out swinging tonight. I'm not. I'm not sure if Ohio State, you know. Can go the distance. I think Alabama is going to be by far the toughest match they've faced all year, but uh, you know they—they've definitely got the offense to keep it competitive, and I think they'll cover an eight and a half point spread. So I'm going Ohio State plus eight and a half. Uh, that is my lock of the night. Why do we call it locks of the week if it's a nightly show? Uh, that's a really good question. I just think like How we of get the into week kind of
1: sounds better.
0: I I guess locks of the night. I mean, that sounds that sounds fine to me, I guess.
1: I mean, part of it is because we're only like this group. Uh, I guess it's just the two of us right now. But like this group is only there once a week. So like comparing to each other, I guess it's weekly. You know?
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm just weird. Uh, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't yeah. know. I
1: just I, I like the sound of lock of the week. OK, that's so. Fair.
0: Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> that, that's why I enjoy it. That's fair. All right. Uh, So now that we got that sorted out of the way, I want to get into this uh, national title game a little bit more in depth. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama. I think that that's, first off, I love the quarterback matchup between Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Um, You know, I've made it no secret going back to uh, the regular season, uh, no secret of how much I love Justin Fields' game and how much of a stud I think he's going to be in the National Football League. Uh, But it, it seems to me like this Ohio State offense is firing on all cylinders right now. They've got a running back who sort of emerged, out of the depth chart and into the national spotlight in Trey Sermon. I mean, think about it. Back when Rutgers played Ohio State in, I want to say it was week three, Trey Sermon wasn't even their top back. It was Master Teague. Mm-hmm. And then Trey Sermon kind of just emerged as the season went on. And, I mean, we saw what he did against Northwestern. We saw what he did in the semifinal against Clemson. And combine that with the talent that Justin Fields has, both in throwing the ball and running the ball, and he's got he's throwing to guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, I, I think that Ohio State is as well constructed to win a national title as they have been ever in recent memory. What do you think yep. of that?
1: I, I don't think you're wrong, and I think this is a uh, I think this is an exciting matchup. I will say that both teams are kind of a little bit weaker on defense than we've really been used to for both of these teams. Ohio state kind of is known for their vaunted defense, but chase young is gone and not a whole lot has popped up to fill the gap. Like obviously Ohio state still has a good defense, but it's not fantastic. And Alabama's kind of been the same where a lot of the older, uh, Alabama defenses that we kind of gotten to know of them, like they they've still shut a couple of teams down because you kind of have to have that kind of defense in order to go 12 and 0 in a power five schedule and win a college wall playoff semifinal but even with all of that it's not been n- neither of these teams have really great defenses is kind of where i'm getting to yeah uh, and so i think it'll be kind of a uh a matchup with a lot of uh, firepower, I guess, just because I think both of these offenses are where they really shine. And I could see this game being close
0: and high scoring, kind of like the sec championship. And, you know, we have technically finished the, uh, locks of the week segment, but I'm also looking at the over under currently at 75. And I think the over is a pretty safe bet to hit taking all that into consideration.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I guess it's possible that one of the teams could uh, fall under. or Because that would require, what, like, about 38 points from each team? That's not a lot uh, for what I think these teams are going to end up scoring. So, yeah, I, I think I definitely agree. I definitely think it'll go over 74.5. Which is exciting in itself. I think this will be a very... Uh, ex- it'll be a very exciting game, if nothing else. So I'm excited to see how the game goes i think i mean it's it's nice to see a college football playoff championship matchup that isn't alabama clemson but at the same time it's still alabama against ohio state i think if you were to it, if there was one country you, or one team in the country you could compare to clemson i think ohio state would be a decent bet as a team with great recruiting uh solid coaching and a pretty good stranglehold over their conference every single year i i think you have to say ohio state is pretty close in that same sense ohio state's made it to the college football playoffs so many times now but they have a chance to win another one and it would be nice to see i mean for for us big 10 people it'd be nice to see a big 10 team like the the big 10 in general put another win on uh the uh CFP leaderboards, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I feel like one of the main advantages if you get beyond, you know, just the Xs and Os of the personnel matchups, one of the advantages that Alabama has that this current Ohio State team doesn't is most of the players on their team have played in the college football playoff or not the playoff, played in a national title game. Um uh, while they were in college. Because like, last time Ohio State was in the college football title game, it was 2014, right? 2015? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh when they had uh, Ezekiel Elliott as their running back. Um And, you know, yeah, Ohio State's been in the conversation. They've made the college football playoff almost every year. But, like, Justin I mean, Fields has token, never played though. in the title game. Trey Sermon has never played in the title game you know chris Olave has never played in the title game you get what you see what i'm getting at here that's absolutely true but i will say on
1: the same token mac jones has never played in a title game
0: true Uh, but devontae smith Najee harris all those other guys have mac jones is like the exception there
1: I, i i do think there's something to be said about how alabama's last uh title win Uh, was in 2017 before that 2018 they got absolutely blown out by Clemson and in 2019 they didn't even make it close to the title game they didn't even make it into the playoff that's fair so I think that some of these players who I mean you can start to see it as like okay Alabama has had a couple of issues in recent years like they're Alabama they still made it to the title game they still won in 2017 that's not very long ago but at the same time some of these players might see it as one of their only chances to win a title. Mac Jones, this is his only chance to win a title. I think he's uh, most—excuse me—I think he's most likely to declare for the draft after this game. So, if if you're going to make a statement, if you want to win a title, this is your one chance. And for a lot of these players, I think this is their one chance uh, to win a title. Because I mean, you never know what'll happen in college football next year if a freshman from 2018 will still be around. But at the same time, a lot of the guys who are graduating early uh, in order to go pro, that's a big deal. Like that means that they are potentially not going to win a championship. And I think that means a lot. So I think both of these teams do have a lot to play for. I think Alabama might feel they have a decent amount to prove knowing that the last couple of years have not gone their way. and. We'll see how it goes. I think this could be a very exciting matchup. I think Ohio State could win this. Um, Doug's FPI says that Alabama has about a uh, five and eight chance of winning, but that's not a ridiculously high margin. And I, I love how you call it Doug's
0: FPI. Like Doug is the one crunching the numbers back there, being like, "Oh, I like." I would I like believe the it time. with how much he references
1: it. I would believe that he makes it, and then he talks about it on the show to promote it. You know.
0: Oh, we've just got a uh, we just got an update here uh, on Ohio State. Um, Excited a, to uh, find out what it is. A, a betting analyst uh, from NESN, uh, New England uh, Regional Sports Network, says uh, two starters on the defensive line at least will be out due to COVID.
1: Yeah, that's also another big X factor for the
0: game. So is, that changes uh, it a bit. State. If that's true, um, that's gonna be an issue. Like that might I may back off of that. It
1: could be an issue for sure. I will say that I, I I'd like to see the list for both teams. I don't know who all is going to be out for both teams. I can't imagine that those will be the only people missing due to either COVID or just injury in general. Uh, it's, it's a national title game. You've gone through a pretty long season to get here. It's very likely that a lot of your players are banged up. And given that COVID is in this time frame, I would not be surprised if that was also a big issue for both of these teams. Uh, with that being said, I do think that not having a good pass rush could be a big deal. At the I I don't know because it's not. I like mean, we if were two starters on the defensive line are
0: anyway. out, Najee Najee Harris is going to have a field day.
1: That's true. That's definitely true. I I, I was thinking about it a lot in the uh, passing game sense to see if they can get a pass rush down, but uh the the, the run defense is going to be a bit of an issue. E- even still, I. I don't know. I think I think it'll end up being a lot of uh, offensive play. I think it'll be turnovers will be a big deal. I don't know that it, it'll definitely be a lot more difficult for Ohio State at this point, but I don't think this is a total game loser for them. I think this game still could maybe should be close. Do you agree with that?
0: Oh, no, I think it'll be close, but those are the kinds of little things that could be the difference between winning and losing. Um, that That is true. That's kind of my take on it. So it'll be a fun game to watch for sure though. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be close. Um, and I think that that's going to be something very interesting to watch, uh, going forward. Um, you know, eight o'clock or as soon as this show ends, we're going to go right to, uh, the most important college football game of the season. And it's been a weird season, uh, as well. So, you know, um, that'll be something interesting to watch. So I'm, I'm guessing your pick is, I'm going to say you think Alabama's going to win?
1: Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win. Uh, it, it's hard for me not to pick Alabama as like the more likely team to win, but if Ohio State did end up winning, I would not be surprised in the least. I think this is pretty close to a coin flip game, and I think it can depend on very minor things that haven't really shown up for either of these teams across the season. Like I can, I can very easily see us looking at it next Monday or whenever we end up talking about the national title game, I guess tomorrow, I'm not going to be on the show tomorrow, but you know, what I'm talking about where it's basically along the lines of, Oh, I could have totally seen where that was coming. Ohio state had a couple of issues in the regular season with scoring and they fell behind Alabama pretty early and uh, Alabama won by like 21, um, but it was still really high scoring. Or I could see like, oh, uh, Mac Jones isn't the greatest quarterback in the world. He's not super mobile. Uh, there are a lot of issues there. Uh, Alabama's defense has not stopped anything for most of the year. Uh, so Ohio State put up a million points. Justin Field has had another great game and Alabama can never catch them. Uh, There are a lot of different things where I I could very easily see us understanding where the win came from, not being surprised or anything, not being like, oh, I did not see that coming at all. I didn't know that that team had it in them. Uh, That was kind of a ramble, but uh, I hope you understood where I was coming from there.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, I've also got some breaking news uh, in the NFL. Uh, Cowboys have hired Dan Quinn to be their defensive coordinator. Uh, Quinn being fired from the Falcons earlier uh, earlier this year. So that's interesting. Or actually, last year. But go on.
1: Uh, who, who is the Cowboys' uh, defensive coordinator?
0: I don't know who it was before. All I know is that they had the uh, worst uh, defense in the league. So that is true. <laughs> uh,
1: they, I mean, they're. There's someone in Texas, uh, a defensive coordinator, who uh, has some uh, – above him in the head coaching position, has some uh, stuff going around him, and he knows how to build a championship culture. Uh, I think Dallas might have uh, wanted to look out for that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nothing? <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> reference. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, the Cowboys – I think their offense is sad. I think they just need a good defense. Um, You know, maybe Dan Quinn will be the right guy to uh, make that happen. Um, I mean, it would definitely do a lot for morale around this station if the Cowboys uh, got their act together on the defensive side of the ball, no?
1: Yeah. Uh, Their defensive coordinator was Mike Nolan.
0: The fact that I don't know who that is probably says everything we need to know.
1: Yeah, he uh, has mostly been a defensive coordinator for a long time. He head coached the 49ers for a couple of years in the 2000s. Interesting. Uh, but it's mostly been defensive coordinating and linebacking coach. So, okay. not not too surprised. Uh, not a really flashy did, hire. Yeah. They they did fire uh, Nolan on January 8th, so three days ago. So it makes sense that they're looking for a new defensive coordinator. I think Dan Quinn's a pretty decent hire. Uh, Obviously, that Falcons team had a lot of issues, but at the same time, I don't know. That Falcons team was really strange. Uh, They were not a terrible team, but... They had a lot of they they had a lot of problems for how
0: not terrible of a team they were, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting to see how they just sort of collapsed. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it was like, yeah, if if they don't have if they don't have Dak Prescott, they're not like going to do anything if they make the playoffs. But it was way beyond that. Like even if Dak were healthy, I don't think they would have won. I mean, they may have, they probably would have gotten in just because they're in the NFC East. Uh, but they wouldn't have done anything. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that uh, any team that got out of the AFC East was probably just going to get, uh, probably just going to lose to the Buccaneers. But even still, you probably say that if Dak Prescott wasn't injured, that they easily walk into the playoffs. And honestly, I think there are a lot of uh, quarterback hires that they could have made and still made the playoffs. Like when their big issue was that they had Andy Dalton starting at quarterback for so long.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're telling me you're not a believer of the Red Rocket?
1: <laughs> uh I can I can't say that uh Andy Dalton impressed me over the course of the season. There were some not bad games, but over the course of the entire season it was uh pretty bad, in fact.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, once he lost the magic touch of Marvin Lewis, like it was just, he mm-hmm. was never going to recapture that magic anywhere else. So, yeah. So,
1: I mean, it's a, uh, I, I, and I didn't think Andy Dalton was atrocious uh, with the Bengals, but I don't know. Something about the Bengals just doesn't work. Even the Browns are winning playoff games before the Bengals now
0: yeah i mean the browns were a really impressive last night and no they weren't don't patronize me <laughs> the cleveland browns
1: yeah we're, we're we're not gonna get into this right now we'll talk about
0: the cleveland browns yeah i mean a, i have a bad basically a budget the, the whole second for the nfl so we'll get into that later Let's talk. Can we just uh, talk, talk. We can can we just talk on the Monday Crew? Us. It's Chris DeCobos yeah, and Dennis Geisler coming at we you, you us. as we uh, approach the conclusion of our number one here on WRSU. I'm gonna spin that wheel. We haven't done this in a while. I feel like you know this is a segment that we got to get back into doing, not just on the Monday Crew, but on all the crews on a more regular basis. So. I'm going to yeah. spin the wheel and uh, we'll I see like that wheel, which one of us it lands on. Would you look at that? It's me.
1: You know, for uh, just having the two of us on that wheel, it sure uh, changes categories a lot.
0: Yeah, it does. It's funny how that works. I mean, we mm-hmm. had to we had to split up the Raj portion 50-50 because we uh, uh, yeah. couldn't make it today. Uh, but I don't think you'll have any problems with the topic that I, I've got selected for this. Um, so, as you know, Nickelodeon, for the first time ever, <laughs> broadcasted a NFL wildcard playoff game. And not just any NFL wildcard playoff game. They picked one featuring the one, the only, the greatest, whoever did it, Mitchell, <laughs> Trubisky, my MVP. <laughs> that, so, that's my MVP. I, I right find <laughs> that like, I find that so fascinating that the guy, the offense scored what ten points in that whole game?
1: Uh, it was nine because they nine. didn't even want to. Uh, Take the last uh, extra point kick.
0: Oh, that's right. And and six of those points came like literally with the last second of garbage time.
1: Yeah, Jimmy Graham ran off the
0: field. He (laughs) was like, "I I got a touchdown. I wasted a year of my career in Chicago." Oh my god! (laughs) But like the youth of America looked at that and were like, "He's my MVP." Like, how does that happen? Do
1: you want to know what I am assuming happened? uh i think that it was me and uh, uh like <sighs> there's no way that the youth of america voted mitch trubisky as their nvp i think what had to happen was the adults who are uh th- the adults who would be the kind of adults to make the decision to watch uh the nickelodeon broadcast of saints versus bears would be the same kind of people who would vote mitch trubisky as the nvp Uh, And so all of them just everyone just voted him as MVP. And as soon as he was leading the vote. With uh, like, there were three Bears players leading the vote, like deep into the game when the Saints were obviously winning. And so Mitch Trubisky was leading and everyone was like, that's hilarious. Let's all vote Mitch Trubisky. And so he won with a uh, massive share of the votes. Uh, That that's my
0: MVP right there.
1: (laughs) Uh, but seriously, though, I,
0: I do want to get into this a little bit more um, because mm-hmm. I thought that there were things that the broadcast did that were kind of fascinating. Um, I know, also thought that like I kind of I mean, I probably would have appreciated it a little bit more if I were, you know, a kid when this had happened. Uh, but I kind of like how they sort of integrated, you know, a normal football booth um, in Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson. And then they brought in two. Uh, Nickelodeon stars. I thought that was kind of like a nice little contrast. Um.
1: I think it was neat, although uh I will say they did not let uh they did not let uh, Gabriella Green, I think is her name yeah uh, they they did not let her do very much. <laughs> like it's it's clear the Nickelodeon uh how do I want to put this? Uh, she doesn't have much sports broadcasting experience, and they went out of their way not to teach her anything. And so they just kind of put her up in the booth. Uh, There you go. Go ahead. Have fun. I mean, they didn't let the kid on the
0: sideline do too much either. (laughs) He didn't get to
1: do anything. (laughs) That was really funny. Uh, He he wasn't even on the sideline. He just kind of wandered around the
0: the lower bowl of uh,
1: the Superdome.
0: Well, because as we know, it's safe for fans to go into the stadium, but it's not safe for reporters to go on the sideline. But that's another topic for another day. But uh, I do want to get back into um you know the broadcast i think i mean it was also cool for someone that you know went to my high school that i know personally to do an nfl wild card game i like Mm -hmm. i thought that was kind of cool um so you know that was that was interesting i also yeah i
1: honestly thought like the 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 broadcasters themselves including uh the the nickelodeon people were pretty good at what they were doing (laughs) like it, it was honestly a pretty good broadcast and given that they knew they were on Nickelodeon and that this was inherently ridiculous they were having a pretty good time of things
0: yeah and it's it's kind of interesting because you know um i have listened to him do clippers games and like it, it's clear that like you know he he's already one of the best at what he does at, at such a young age so it's sort of like it was like a perfect fit because like you you they needed someone youthful someone young for a Nickelodeon broadcast like you can't like be like, all right, we're going to market this to kids. We're going to have virtual slime in the end zones. And then you, you give them Andrew Cattelon. Oh, Michael. <laughs> or like, and nothing, or Spiro Didis, or yeah, someone like that. Like, and nothing, nothing against them. Like, they're good broadcasters, but it wouldn't have fit uh, the tone that Nickelodeon was trying to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I kind of wish it would have been a nice gimmick if at the end, uh, the winning team got to dump slime on their coach, like actual slime.
1: Well, did you see what was Uh, happening? One, did you see? Okay, so at the end of the game, uh, Lex was interviewing uh, somebody. I do not remember who it was. a Saints player. Um, And that Saints player was a lot more interested talking to uh, Nate Burleson because they played together. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) it was like an actual connection instead of like this 16-year-old kid. Uh, But Lex is like, oh, hey, uh in an uh what am i trying to say here so in a pre-game one of the press conferences on friday uh sean payton was asked hey would you be willing to get slimed after the game if you win and sean payton was like i have no idea what that means but okay uh and so after the game they brought out like a bucket of slime uh and said oh hey go slime your coach and he was like Sean Payton's gone (laughs) he left he's like in the locker room probably and so they didn't get the sliming on camera but or they didn't get the sliming in the game but after the game and you can see this on Twitter uh Sean Payton did actually get slimed I'm not sure if you've seen the video
0: no I didn't see that
1: yeah my my mom sent me it this morning actually and uh I I laughed a lot because Sean Payton got slimed uh, so that is uh, that. That is that. <laughs> There's the uh, slime story from Nickelodeon. Sadly, they did not slime anyone on the broadcast. They didn't slime no eagle. They kept telling us they were gonna uh, slime no eagle, and then they didn't. Should have
0: slimed all of them. But yet, had slimed the mm-hmm. Bears uh, scouting department for picking Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> over over so. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Like that's a real scandal here. <laughs>
1: Uh, are are either of them? Did either of them win the first ever MVP award? No, I No, but think I'm, so. I'm starting
0: to come under the impression that uh, the Bears front office is run by a bunch of children, uh and, and I'm just gonna leave. Or it that. or possibly run by actual bears. You don't know that. <laughs> I think the actual <laughs> bears would have done a better job. <laughs> like they wouldn't have just let Matt Nagy just sit there on the sidelines. They'd be like, "No, we're getting a real head coach," and they would have like, yeah, we're, we're gonna him away. "Yeah, we're going
1: to punt down 18." <laughs>
0: oh what's that we're down three scores in a playoff game better run it up the gut on first and 10 <laughs> i i think uh someone uh someone on jet's twitter put it very succinctly um said basically what they said was that um uh, i'm trying to remember the exact phrasing said matt nagy is a rich man's adam Gase. <laughs> that's uh sad but true yeah well
1: just for the uh, Nickelodeon broadcast though what what were your favorite parts because uh, my my favorite part was probably the Cordell Patterson thing, uh, which everyone saw on Twitter. but I thought that was very funny. Did you see that, Chris? No, I didn't. Uh, so during a penalty call, there there was a weird penalty at the very end of the first half. Uh, like offsetting that included like a running into the kicker uh, which had a bunch of uh, which had that they had to redo the down or something weird like that and during it you could hear Cordell, Cordell Patterson uh, like just off the side uh, say some expletives that you don't want on Nickelodeon but were oh, definitely broadcast yes. over Nickelodeon yes.
0: now I remember I know what you're talking about yes I love how they had to do uh, the FCC thing and just act like an F-bomb wasn't just dropped on Nickelodeon. Yeah, they,
1: you could tell that they they knew that an F-bomb was dropped on Nickelodeon and just couldn't say anything about it. Uh, honestly, great, great job by them to not acknowledge it, but I thought it was very funny, and everyone else on the internet thought it was very funny because it was very funny. Uh, I also like the slides comparing... Uh, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill to Spongebob and Patrick and Alvin Kamara to Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Those were very funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then they compared. Um, I, I forget who they compared. They compared someone's like this random character and then they threw a pick six. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, who oh, is this character amazing. and why are they like? Um, was it Trubisky who threw the pick six? I think it was. I, I th- it must have been it must have been and I'm like, yeah, he's like, oh, who is this character? I'm like, I, I, someone who uh, throws pick sixes on cartoons, apparently. <laughs> so, uh. yeah. Well, that was fun. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I haven't watched Nickelodeon probably in like eight to ten years for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah. it, it was kind of nice to sort of go back memory lane a bit. Um, I thought the SpongeBob cut scenes were kind of kind of funny. Um, but I mean. Nickelodeon is not as if in general is not as good as it used to be. Um, so that's kind of unfortunate. But, you know, even still, I, I would love to see uh, Josh Peck in the broadcast booth in like 2007.
1: Oh, man, that would have been that would have been that would really have been hilarious. They, he, Drake and Josh went to the Super Bowl one
0: time, didn't they? Did
1: they? I, I remember seeing people talk about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, they might the have. Drake and Josh I remember the episode where the they Super had the Bowl.
0: Super Bowl commercial. I don't remember that. Where uh, it was Drake's I, song was in a Super Bowl commercial. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a good bit. <laughs> yeah. Go look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's on there. It probably is. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll take a break there. That was some fun little Nickelodeon talk. We'll come back into hour two. We'll recap the wild card round. We'll take a look towards uh, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So stick around. We're just getting started. Top of the second hour of the Monday crew coming up on the other side of this break. This is WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Your home for Rutgers football, basketball, soccer, wrestling, baseball, and lacrosse. This is WRSUFM, New Brunswick.